When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the great Mr. Leo Zagami, who's been so gracious to come on my podcast for a second time. And as your book behind you says, and as I would put in the description, Confessions of Illuminati Part 7, which I think is probably the most accurate, full-spectrum kind of picture of what's going on right now from the lowest to just what COVID is, to the World Economic Forum, to transcendence, artificial intelligence, stretching all the way back to Roswell in 1947, how would we find an alien, the Fermi paradox, all the way to the cyber Satan, and the really what it is is anti-human forces versus pro-human forces. But the overwhelming feedback I got from our first episode was they loved it because I didn't talk and you talked. So with that, I'm going to hand no, but I'm very glad that you really, in a nutshell, described the book. I yeah, mean, yeah. You, must, you actually read it. Uh, Absolutely. I, if I say I'm going to read a book, I'm going to read a book. I, I'm not. That's 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 my line of honor with my podcast. If I have an author on, I read the book. Far well, on. Thank you so much. Yes, thank sir. you so much. Yes, and sir. Uh, I want to thank also our common friend, John Barnwell. Of course. Also. But uh, um, for everybody, I will put the book in the description. Um, it's not on Audible. It is on Kindle. You can get your phone. To no, read. actually, it's on paperback and, and hardcover also. Oh, as well. Uh, and, yes, yes. And so, uh, I had it on Kindle, and I got my phone to read it to me, and it's fantastic. I knocked it out in in one day, actually. Um, you can do the same. It's I've actually recommended. I'm not even swear of my heart. I've actually recommended your book to two people in conversations. I said this is the most encapsulating thing. So hopefully, I've got you two more fans, but. Mr. Zagami, please take it away, sir. Where are we? So, uh, when you read it on Kindle, you said you read it on Kindle. So what? You go around and read it yeah, during the day? No. So you... what I do is on, on Kindle, what I can do is you can get your phone. You can actually get it to read it to you. Like uh, It's like the robot. It's, it's for people that, like I guess, are disabled. You can have your phone read you articles and stuff. Wow. And because I like to, I like to listen while I'm mm-hmm. doing things, groceries, going to the gym, cleaning my apartment – because if I sit down and read, I can't pay attention. So instead, I just had my phone read it to me, and I just went about my day, and I listened to it. And it's just, yeah. It's uh, all this is a very interesting suggestion that we can make to a lot of people that tell me, Leo, why don't you make an audio book? You have to. An audio book is at times for people who are, uh, you know, uh, don't have a big uh, publishing house, a big publishing company, a little bit uh, of uh, an economic, uh, you know, burden because you have to spend a lot of time in the recording and everything and has to be done in a certain way. So, I mean, this way you kind of like uh, offering a new possibility for those readers who might not have the time to read it like you said sitting down with a book and they want to maybe just listen to it yeah so, yeah no, uh, i never had thank you for the suggestion uh, i mean it was the first time i had uh, anybody doing that so well, that's uh, that's the only way i can take down books is i have to listen so if it's on kindle i'll just have in the it's a it's a sin that you don't have an audiobook because you have if you should narrate it, you have the perfect voice. You have the perfect <laughs> voice, man. Your your voice, your your yeah, accent I mean, is addicting. 
Of, of course, but it's also true that some people don't understand this accent. Yeah. Not everybody is open enough, and some people have actually criticized me. I can't understand when he talks, and they call me like uh, uh, Chef Boyardi or... Uh, <laughs> Or <laughs> other yeah. kind of funny names. I mean, of course, it's funny, but yeah. uh, the problem is that maybe some uh, some people, especially here in America, have problems with my accent in sure. understanding it. Other yeah. find it addictive and nice, like you. I like it. I like it, man. I I, I think it. I think it's addictive. It's enchanting. I I like it. I yeah. Um, that's, that's good. That's good. Well, uh, where we where we want to start? We want to start, of course, uh, from where we are uh, right here, right now, in the in the here and now, as the, the, as they will say, "ik et nunc." Yes, yeah. to say the ancient Romans used to say, "ik et nunc." <laughs> well, uh, we are basically where I said we will be for a number of years. You know, in volume two, my confessions, I outlined the fact that we will be living from 2020 onwards. Uh, First, uh, a, a virus, then later on, uh, like I also said, Invisible Master, we will be heading uh, towards a third world war and uh, everything that uh, this implies. I, uh, of course, uh, uh, want to uh, suggest all people who maybe are watching me as the time is running out uh, and my, you might not have enough time to read all the other books before the shit hits the fan, as they used to say, <laughs> say you read directly volume seven because it's a book that you can read without really going into the reading of the other books and has citations from the other books, but it doesn't imply that you need to necessarily uh, have read uh, the other books. I will say that, of course, you will have a better understanding of it probably if you have read all my books, but that's okay. Uh, you can still read it on its own and you will perfectly understand what it's talking about because uh, we are at the moment in our history where we have to take some choices, where we have to decide what to do with our lives. So uh, this book is part essay, part manual. So just a second, uh, if you give me a second, because I have to uh, put air conditioning. We are here in Palm Springs. Yeah. The temperature is a little bit high because uh, um, I have put the chicken in the oven. <laughs> You're fine, <laughs> I put, man. No, I have to confess. I put the chicken in the oven. Yeah, no. But we are in Palm Springs where the temperature is already high uh, and we are st start seeing, you know, a rising temperature. So I guess so that uh, it was getting a bit warm with the lights here in the studio. Oh, it heats up it, so it's much. The chicken in the, in the kitchen that it starts to smell good, though. Yeah. Eh? It's, it's, good. it's prepared in my Italian traditional recipe. <laughs> I, my wife usually does the cooking most of the week, but on Sunday she relies on me because uh, it's usually my day off. But it hasn't been the case these days because everybody wants to talk about this book and how prophetic some of the things that are written. Because, I mean, this book was written when the war wasn't even I was gonna, started. I was going to say, you were talking about Ukraine. Yes. You were talking about Ukraine in the book just a couple months ago. Yes, yes, yeah. I, I was talking about uh, these things even years ago. That's the problem here. And the reason why has been my direct involvement uh, uh, with Putin administration back in the days when I was an artist uh, with the, the Ministry of Culture, I uh, was actually uh, the first uh, DJ to broadcast uh, uh, on, uh, on Russian radio. And then later on, I became also involved in an event that took place in February 2002 at the Bolshoi. 
uh, in Moscow with the, all the authorities uh, of the Russian elite and all the ambassadors. And, and in, that, in that moment, I start to see how things were really working out in Moscow because I was guested actually in Putin's dacha, the, 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 the place where actually he resides out of Moscow, for one night uh, before uh, doing this special event, the Bolshoi, they wanted me to have me guested in this uh, place, which was out on the outskirts. Uh, there is this uh, basically this whole land with these big houses uh, in Soviet style next to where he lives, all the elite lives together in very small apartments, in condos that are as big as the one I'm in now. They have this uh, tradition from the Soviet times of living all together. Uh, aside from having those big lavish villas of the oligarchs that we had, uh, you know, they've been confiscated around the world, they have also this other tradition of actually living in a very modest setup, in a very, because remember, reminding themselves of where they come from, which is the Soviet tradition, which were, which meant sharing everything, even, even, even the wives, so everything else. I mean, it was a very weird kind of, reality, the Soviet reality that we tend to have forgot after the fall of the uh, Berlin Wall, after the end of the Soviet Union. So I uh, started to talk about the possibility that this will happen many years ago, because back then they told me very clearly, Leo, there will be a crisis in years to come, in a few decades from now, and Europe will basically... Uh, be facing a crisis like not seen from the Second World War. And we will be coming, but not to liberate like the first or the Second World War, which basically triggered some negative outcome for Russia. For example, the First World War was actually uh, very negative because it facilitated after what happened with the whole Russian Revolution and the Bolshevik takeover of 1922 and the establishment of the Soviet Union. I think that will probably might have never been possible if there wasn't the First World War involvement of Russia. And then you had the Second World War, in which it was actually the Russians who went to liberate Berlin on the ground with the Americans bombing, but it was the Russians who actually went on the ground to actually get, you know, Hitler out of his bunker and all that. And, and so that is another thing. They saw themselves as... Uh, having done these things, but then not getting anything out of it. Actually, it, 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 it kind of uh, inflicted further burdens on, the, on their economy. They made some deals, of course, even uh, before uh, the, 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 the war even started. We know that uh, even Stalin uh, and, and, and Hitler made a deal. I mean, the Baltic states were passed on to, to, to the Soviet Union in that kind of uh, idea of... of, of dividing uh, your spheres of influence and taking over certain countries. Now, it's obvious that we are facing now a different reality. Um, and this is a pyramid where certain things will have to be today um, explained at one level. Others will have to be explained at another level. So in my book, first of all, I, as you know, talk about the occult roots of the Great Reset. And the first thing that I also say, as you know, I talk about the Fourth Reich, the Fourth Reich. Now, when people 
hear about the fourth Reich, uh, they kind of like smile, say, mm, whatever, maybe it's a conspiracy theory. They go back to Jim Mars, they go, which, by the way, said some things that were very correct. Or other authors that I cite in my book uh, that talked uh, in, in, in a, let's say, in a superficial, if we want, way about this fourth Reich. But there was some kind of death, death there, some kind of reality that I wanted to bring out in this book, especially when you see that the same milieu, the same uh, lodges, the same uh, organizations in the Illuminati structure are the ones who gave birth to Nazism and are now giving birth to this great research and fourth industrial revolution of Klaus Schwab, whose family was actually working with the Nazis for a company, the Eichweiss company, that, by the way, was founded by a Jew. So in the end, uh, you need to understand certain things. So I had to explain, first of all, once and for all, what are the Sabbatian Frankists? As you see in this book, I made a very clear explanation. I said, okay, so then you don't get confused. Because that's very important, you see. People don't understand. I had a friend who died very many years ago. I didn't have the possibility to ever meet him in person. We were in contact in the last years of his life. He wrote a book, this one. Very camish, very shamish here. This guy here was uh, really a Jewish guy who really understood that labor Zionism and the wrong side of Zionism was really all inspired by Sabbatai Zevi and Sabbateans, and uh, that they were involved also to a certain extent in in what came about with the Holocaust. So I wanted, though, in my book to... While in volume four of my confessions, which I don't know if you ever read, I outlined the, um, the reality of the Sabbatean Frankist and their links to the Jesuit world and to the Masonic world, uh, to just explain what they were and what they are. In this new book, I wanted to explain that there is a guy here uh, whose mentor is Henry Kissinger, by the way, yeah. who was excommunicated by the Orthodox Jews. And this, this uh, people don't know that. I mean, I wrote it in my book, you know, and, and I think it's... Then there is also another book which I have here. I can go and pick it up after the new book of Eric Kissinger of artificial, on artificial intelligence, which I find also a book that is... As well as his old book on, you, on, the, on, the, on the New World Order, on the... Uh, these two books, maybe I should pick up for you because it's important. Too. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, no, that's one thing I didn't know from your book was that Klaus Schwab was mentored by Henry Kissinger. I mean, all the way back in 73, right after the founding of the Club of Rome is when the seeds were sown or planted for uh, the World Economic Forum. And uh, you see, uh, in my book, I discuss... Uh, the World Order, of course, book of Kissinger, as well as his latest book, which is a very important book, which is this one. Now, while I'm talking about all these books, because here we are not really in front of a conspiracy theory book. I would like you to outline that also for all our viewers. You have read this book. Yeah. There is nothing really... It's, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a conspiracy. It's everything is cited. And the only thing that you would say is not cited is... Well, yeah, you can draw certain. You, if you set up everything, you can draw your own conclusions. It's there's no there's no nuance. You go, this is happening, this is happening, the whole thing is happening. It's not a conspiracy book. That's why I love it. Is you 
And also, that's why maybe one day you should, uh, uh, I mean, you get the Kindle, so you get also, when you get the Kindle, maybe now you have uh, uh, listened to the book, but one day maybe you should also go in all the citations from uh, that time, because this book has something like, oh, yeah. has a foot, like footnote, uh, uh, something like more than uh, almost 500, I think, 500, uh, 500 and... Uh, 37 footnotes, uh, like citation notes. Uh, it's like 60 pages of citations at the end of the book, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like, and it's very detailed yeah. because, and i tell you why I'm being a, a bit picky on that. Sure. Because here we are fronting an enemy which comes from the academic world. Yeah. So when you are dealing with academics, the first thing that they would say is, who is your source? Mm. And how serious is your source? So these are not only citations, but they are citations from sources which are regarded as credible even by the academic circles. And, and, and so most of the time, uh, of I cite uh, credible sources that don't have any hypothetical conspirational nature. They are pretty much to the point, historical sources, geopolitical, uh, business, uh, economy, everything uh, it's cited in a very meticulous way, but because I want to provoke the reader in saying, you can bring this book in front of your university professor, your college professor, in front of your high school teacher, whatever, and tell him, listen, prove me wrong. This book is difficult to debunk. Actually, it's impossible. It's impossible because of all the work that I've done in this meticulous way. And it took me, uh, as you can imagine, an extra couple of months just to go through the whole uh, citation, footnotes, and everything to make it really... And plus, also when you cite, for example, from, um, from the internet, you have to cite the links, the date in which you have downloaded that link, Remembering that that link could be taken away. Yeah. Like, for example, if you go now on the Klaus Schwab uh, Wikipedia, suddenly the connection with China and his son Oliver Schwab might be out, might be gone from one day to the other because it's kind of inconvenient for them. So you need to understand that you have picked up, for example, or found uh, on, on that particular, I made an example uh, here when I said Wikipedia, but it can be any site, but you have to give the correct date so then people know they can maybe go into that uh, a back time machine, uh, whatever that goes into the web archives, and you can find out that it was actually like that. And it's very important to this work because we have to fight an enemy that relies on hundreds of years of power by the universities, which are controlled by the Jesuits and financed by the Sabbatian Frankists. And all this is impossible for a person that uh, maybe just goes and takes his news from the internet. Uh, you need to have also books that are credible sources and, 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 and authors and everything else. That, because as you can see, my, um, my work is to first of all have a book that outlines the occult roots of this great reset. And, the, and like I said a moment ago, we can notice that they are the same roots of the Fed Reich. We go back to Austria, we go back to Germany, we go back to Switzerland, we go back to certain lodges, we go back to the Theosophical Society. 
I mean, not many people know that Adolf Hitler uh, took uh, the inspiration for his bastica from a guy called Franz Hartmann, who was considered and was a crooch and a great uh, a man, you know. And then not many people know that this guy became then uh, the inspiration. Maybe he didn't want to be the inspiration, but unfortunately for him, there was a guy who was reading his publication called Adolf Hitler, who, who, who saw the swastika, as well as other figures. Von Liebenf, uh, I mean, the people who conducted basically all that occult milieu to become, uh, in a way, also racist, like with the... Uh, and, and that is... I guess the negative side, you know, with the von Liszt, Liebenfels, all these people that basically wanted to um, address the German people or the people of uh, German ethnicity as being somehow superior to all the others in their mind. We were in a moment... Uh, of great confusion, of course, we had uh, seen the, the, the fading of, uh, the, 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 of Prussia, uh, the Austro-Hungarian Empire, the black nobility is very important in the actual creation of the World Economic Forum. And for the first time in my book, as you know, I talk about the fact that the first guy who delivered the speech in Davos in the early 70s, who opened in 1971, the whole thing was Otto von Hausburg. And Otto von Hausburg is like, he's not a small guy, you know, he's like, hey, Otto von Hausburg. No, no, this guy is like the guy who, who would have been emperor, of course, after the, his, his own, uh, you know, but Otto von Hausburg is an important element because he was also the grandmaster or the order of the Golden Fleece. Now, of course, all the people who are listening to us, uh, it's very confusing, all these names, these, these various groups uh, that are all part of this hidden world. So I try really my best to make it as simple as possible in the way it kind of fl flows. Hmm. And I invite then the readers to then make ulterior studies through the citations of sources that are credible, that they can then go in and study further the whole subject. And I think that there is not many people that know about the involvement of uh, uh, these figures in the early stages of the World Economic Forum. I talk about, for example, Bishop Camara, the Pact of the Catacombs, I talk about the link with the Club of Rome, Aurelio Pecce. Uh, Aurelio Pecce, the, the Club of Rome, inspirational to Klaus Schwab for the, to actually start this whole project. And the link and the study that was made also in MIT, no? the, the study in MIT on the future of the world that was very inspirational for these people to then take all their decisions. So I think that in a way or another, I, I've tried to do a different kind of work here because people have been really talking a lot about the Great Reset, especially since the pandemic. But I explained that the Great Reset started over 200 years ago when Adam Weishaupt mm -hmm. was actually the one who was planning for you to own nothing and be happy. It's not like suddenly this guy arrives and says, ooh, I like this idea. No, it's actually an idea that it kind of like resurfaces within a certain cultural media, within a group, 
the original Illuminati that only lasted for a brief time as order of the Illuminati. Because we have to also be honest, you know, people think about uh, the Illuminati uh, hiding uh, with the same name for centuries. Of course, there is certain groups that have been doing that, but they have to change name. Mm-hmm. They have to at times, and they at times operate now these days, especially after the end of the Second World War, without the disguise of all the esoteric paraphernalia. When they meet at the Bilderberg Club, when they meet at the Aspen Institute, when they meet at the World Economic Forum, you only need $50,000 for the World Economic Forum, a nice suit, you go in and participate. You don't need to make some strange, you know, eyes wide shut scenario in your head. I'm not saying that they don't exist, those groups, yeah. and that they don't have a certain influence. But then you have also the practical groups that these days, the think tanks of this new world order, the institutions that are very important. So I've been trying in this book for the first time to bring you the occult side. When I, for example, describe, uh, like you said earlier, Eric Kissinger as a mentor of uh, Klaus Schwab. People don't really know that. They don't really know, really, these days, the young generations. I mean, you are rather young. How old are you? 31. So you, you never really heard Eric Kissinger when you were a young kid on TV being the guy who in charge of everything. Yeah. Because in the 70s... Oh, yeah, he was the guy. You, you, you put on the TV, it was on the mainstream news, you know. Then people don't know that. So, I mean, nowadays you also have to introduce these figures to the new audience and explain that Eric Kissinger, who he is, who is not. Otto von Augsburg is also a figure that was very important because he participated with another guy called Count Kalergi, to the pan-European movement that then defined the future European Union. So these people, the Illuminati elite, really managed their way. And and also people would like to know, of course, which are these lodges. So I went through, as you see, and I described the lodges that were, and actually also the Illuminati who tried to resurface in Austria and Germany after 100 years, with a certain degree of success uh, with Theodor Royce, but then actually he triggered the birth uh, of something else, which was the Ordo Templi Orientis. Uh, but they all kind of sprang originally up from Austria, out of all places, uh, which is also an interesting thing, because Austria is uh, the uh, birthplace of Adolf Hitler. So uh, it's, it's like, you know, I mean, uh, uh, obvious Klaus Schwab uh, was born in 1938. So he was born the year before uh, Hitler uh, started uh, this whole uh, Second World War scenario by invading Poland. Poland. And now Poland might be the trigger or, of course, I think that we are in an ongoing situation that, uh, you know, might see different outcomes, but uh, I suggested Moldavia, Moldovia to be probably the next one once they enter Odessa, they will probably go after Moldova because it's very handy and because it's not protected by NATO. And, and it, it is a former Soviet Union country that they want to re-annex to this new project that uh, they are doing. The Russians have their own idea. But also, the, the, the fact is that uh, we are, there is two 
basically ideas of the new world order that are battling each other. And George Soros really made it clear, and I also talk about Soros, who is a member of the World Economic Forum. But when, for example, we have seen in the last couple uh, of days, I also published on a website, in the last week or so, the World Economic Forum taking off their website. Put- Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Or uh, George Soros condemning Putin and Xi Jinping, demanding the European Union and the Americans to remove Xi Jinping. How can... How can you realistically, really, believe in this bullshit, sorry, it's, in this theater? It's because, bullshit. I mean, George Soros, who asks the removal of Xi Jinping and Putin, I mean, only a very naive individual can even believe that's remotely realistic. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of my logic on this, is you see how they took Putin off the World Economic Forum and everybody's like, oh, Putin's a good guy. I'm like, does that not seem like the most convenient? I think that Putin is basically taking the interest. And I always said that, and you know that uh, from my past interviews also at Infowars, as the guy was at heart the interest of the Russian people. Sure. Okay. First of all, he doesn't have at heart the interest of the American or the other people who are eluding themselves also on the alt-right that he can be the solution of all problems because he's a man of tradition. He's a man that is defending the orthodox Russian church, which is a specific branch of orthodoxy, which has, by the way, broke with the other branches in 2016 when there was this uh, meeting in Greece uh, in the island of Crete, which created a lot of problems. Didn't the head of the Russian Orthodox Church, wasn't he down in Antarctica in 2016 or something? There was also, he he was also involved with a meeting uh, even uh, with the Pope at one point in Cuba. Uh, he was involved with other things, but the main thing that he is being involved in is, is basically siding with that part of Russia that has seen in what has happened in Donbass, Donbass and basically Luhansk and Luhansk as being part of a plan that has been going on for ages of gradually de-Russifying taking out all the Russian roots of countries like Ukraine, who are actually an integral part of Russia. But after the, after how many, 30 years of brainwashing by George Soros, uh, the young people don't think so anymore. You just have to brainwash them uh, by showing them a comedian president to then become suddenly president and they believe in anything. I mean, yeah. the people are very simple. Going back to to my book uh, and what you have asked regarding also uh, the, 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 because we are talking about uh, a link also with the medieval knights known as the Teutonic Knights. The Teutonic Knights were banned as a modern order, uh, the, 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 were banned in the Federal Reich in 1938, the year of Klaus Schwab's birth. But in reality, 
the order went on and it was actually Otto von Augsburg, one of the, le the leading figures of this order. And, um, and this order is very important because, for example, the Baltic states were actually in the old days the seat of the Teutonic Knights. At the same time, Ukraine is actually an artificially constructed place because Ukraine, uh, we can say, was in a way artificially constructed by Prussia. You see, there was a big war between uh, Prussia and, uh, and Russia. And this war, of course, uh, is, is a war that resulted with Prussia because there was a Russian invasion in 1914 of East Prussia. Okay? And the Russian invasion of East Prussia was, of course, something that was seen by the German as a, 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 a as an act, uh, outrageous act against their national territory, okay? Now, at that time, the shock of the invasion served to assist the German war effort. I'm talking about 1914 here. According to one historian who argued that outrage of the violation of national territory of Tsarist and Tsarist atrocities strengthened German solidarity cemented conviction in the rightness of the national cause and acted as a terrible and lasting warning of the penalties of defeat. At that point, we have to understand that the Germans didn't really stay only on the defensive, even if they were quite on the defensive since the end of the uh, 19th century, they were quite on the defensive, but they went on the offensive. They went on the offensive, and Ukraine became that part of Russia that they thought they could convince of being something different. That's why during the Second World War, we have an SS division of made only of Ukrainians. So here we have the birthplace of the Russian Orthodox faith, which is Kiev. We have Odessa a city founded by a Russian empress. We have basically the heart of Russian tradition, the borscht, the borscht soup that uh, we all know, fantastic, I love it with a little bit, uh, now, I don't know if you ever had the borscht soup, it's a traditional Russian soup, very fan fantastic, you put some sour cream on it and it's uh, very nice yeah. with red cabbage, it's, it's very nice. Uh, but it's a traditional Russian, it's like a national dish, but in reality, the roots come they save either from Crimea or from uh, even from Kiev. So with this kind of background, which I'm trying here to explain, it's obvious that when you see the Nazis parading in the last few years in Ukraine, backed by the European Union, you see a European Union that is controlled by people like Klaus Schwab and the whole club of Rome, the whole World Economic Forum, the Bilderberg, because Klaus Schwab was also a leading figure in the Bilderberg Club. Let's not forget that. I didn't know that. Makes and, sense. And, and, yes, yes, yes. And, and, and I, even, I, I even write it in my book. And, uh, and, and at one point, basically, uh, you must have been busy when you had that. I didn't, yeah, I guess it was one year, not the other. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. No, but what, what happened here is this. You have to understand that uh, there is basically a link 
between the Third Reich and the Fourth Reich. Mm -hmm. And this Fourth Reich, that, because imagine only who, who are the founders of the Bilderberg Club or the Bilderberg Group. I mean, you have people that are involved with the Bilderberg Club right at the start who are also people who were involved with the Third Reich. But you also talk about in your book how it's becoming, it seems like these groups are becoming less and less important as they near the end game, right? Whether it's Davos or whatever. that they Yeah, well, I mean, as they come out of the closet, let's sure. say, they, as they come out of the closet and they become at that point more aggressive in their stance, it's obvious that even their interest in wanting to meet up in secret is becoming more bland because they are now unfolding the plan on humanity. So even the World Economic Forum has not really met in person since the beginning of this pandemic. Now, they could have found a place around the world. They're very influential people that would have guested them and they could have done it in person. Officially, they didn't. They are now replanning. They have done most of their meetings in a, in a virtual format, as everybody else, just to show that they are all transparent and everything is recorded. In reality, though, the meetings that really are, are, are the powerful uh, thing of this uh, World Economic Forum take place uh, when you go and have dinner out uh, there in the setup, when you are basically networking naturally in the setup. So you don't see that happening, of course, on Zoom. Yeah. So that is still happening, though, because these people are extremely influential and they can still go around the world on private jets and meet whenever they want and have, uh, and have also in the middle of the pandemic a private island where they can go and have fun with nobody giving them any hassle because they are the ones creating this problem. They are also the ones who have the opportunity of... Uh, can you see me clearly here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm just trying to put a little bit. So... Uh, that's how I'm, I'm trying to go around it to, sh to show, though, in my book that uh, the uh, Ravensburg's Escher Weiss factory that was managed directly by Klaus Schwab's father and even his grandfather and great-grandfather. So he came from a family that worked between Switzerland and Germany. During the war, he had the opportunity of having a great life because, of course, he could go from Germany into Switzerland when there was too much tension or there was the, the conflict started to be unfolding in a very ugly manner, he, of course, went there. But what happened with the Klaus Schwab is also that he was, uh, his father was awarded the, the title of Nationalist Socialist Model Company of the Year. So here we are talking about somebody whose father was really close to the Nazis and whose turbines produced by the company were helping in the war effort in one of the most delicate and probably uh, key resource that might have been used to change the whole fate of the war. And that was the creation of the heavy water and the making of the first atomic bomb. Yeah. So I actually explain in this book that if it wasn't for the Norwegian resistance yeah, North to sabotage of that, we would probably already end up with the Fed Reich in charge. Yeah, Norsk Hydro. But, that was the power plant. Norsk Hydro in Norway. Yeah, yeah making all and, the heavy water. 
And like I show in my, uh, as you see in my book, I even put the images. There is the turbines made by the company of Schwab's uh, father that still are there uh, to demonstrate all this. So, I mean, the history uh, tends to be repeated, but also is the fact that the Nazis, once they were in a way uh, defeated, they never really disappeared. They no. simply went underground. They were absorbed by the CIA here in the U.S., they became part of Operation Paperclip. They, there was a whole thing that was done to absorb then the uh, the German forces to fight then the communists. Yeah. No? So nowadays we have this uh, this thing happening in Ukraine, which is very unfortunate because sees the, 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 the destruction and the especially the suffering of millions of people sure. that are the normal people. Yeah. But uh, it is in times of war that you realize how the elite doesn't give a damn about the people that they treat as cattle. They can die in their millions. They don't care. And that is ultimately the, 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 what I write in this book that I explain. Uh, uh, it's like they are going through stages, starting from the biological warfare that started in Wuhan, arriving to this new stage that might see the nuclear warfare, which will be the, the final stage for the greater reset. Because the greater reset is happening, and it's a greater reset that is happening even at a faster pace now that from the pandemic, scandemic, uh, pandemic, how you want to call it, we go into the reality of this war. In Italy, starting from yesterday, they started with rationing food in certain supermarkets. You are not allowed to buy certain more than a number of certain products. That's in uh, a big food ration. Rationing, yeah. uh, food ration. It's food rationing is one of the ugliest things that comes out of a war. Yeah. And in Europe, they're probably going to start having food rationing increasing in the next few months as a normalization of food rationing, which is something that we are not used at all. After the Second World War, our gen the generations that followed the Second World War never saw food rationing. I heard about food rationing all the time from my father, from my mother, who were born during the war. My mother was bombed by the Nazis in England. She always tell me about how she hid under the table during the missiles that were flying the, the, into London. My father uh, had to abandon Sicily during the invasion and go north of Italy. Uh, and, and they were eating rats in Sicily. They, were, they didn't have salt. They had problems for maintaining the food fresh. Uh, they had a lot of problems. So, I mean, these kind of stories that you hear uh, from the old generations uh, now are almost forgotten. Yeah. And unfortunately, now we are going back to it, and it's a very ugly reality. So in my new book, I wanted to have, uh, yes, a essay about uh, Klaus, uh, his background, uh, the Great Reset, the link with the Jesuits, the Sabbatian Frankist, uh, everything that is connected with the nuclear power, because Klaus himself, not his father, but himself also made his fortunes in that company, bringing the nuclear power to South Africa, bringing the nuclear power to Israel, 
and, and participating actively until he gave up on the company at the end of the 60s, because uh, we can say that uh, he wanted to have now a new mission. He was given a new mission, and that new mission was to put together in 1970 the World Economic Forum. He officially does it by uh, borrowing some money and uh, risking himself. But in reality, when you go and study his family background, what he was doing up until a few years before uh, with, uh, with his company and everything, uh, you are like, okay, this is like theater, you know, theatrics yeah. to make understand that the guy, because he has always this concept, yeah, of being stakeholder of the world economic for We are all stakeholder. We are all have to share, you no? Know? But then we have the reality of socialism and communism that he has openly embraced. Bishop Kamara arrives in 1974. So there is two people really that are very important in this book, which I mentioned. One is Aurelio Pecce, Aurelio Pecce, who founded the Club of Rome, because everybody talks about the World Economic Forum, but nobody talks about Aurelio Pecce, this Italian industrialist and Jesuit agent, Freemason, best known as the first president and co-founder of the Club of Rome, together with another guy called Alexander King from Scotland. And uh, um, it was him who commissioned MIT for this famous research, which I talk about in the book. Uh, And this uh, research was a report that was initially commissioned uh, entitled The Limits of Growth, that later became a book, translated in 37 languages, and that basically these researchers put together this book using a system called World Free. World Free, but also World One, World Free was the successor, was basically an incredibly advanced computer simulation of interactions between population, industrial growth, uh, food production, limits in the ecosystem of the Earth. Now, the futuristic model that they put together and was described in this book, World Dynamics, was based on the work of a computer pioneer from MIT known as Jay Forrester. And once they put together this research, the research was then presented in front of the Davos and the World Economic Forum by Aurelio Pecce himself in 1973. Later on, in 1974, then Bishop Camara arrives and gives his blessing to the whole thing and says, I have the solution. You have to embrace the pact of the catacombs that when we go and read is basically the Great Reset. So everything was done in that period. And there is actually an interesting documentary you can still find on YouTube, commissioned uh, basically by ABC, the Australian broadcaster, not ABC, the American ABC. And they published uh, this uh, documentary in 2018 on YouTube. And you can actually see what they were forecasting. There is interviews with the members of the Club of Rome, their research that was conducted that we just talked about. And they talk about the fact that around 2020, the condition of the planet becomes highly critical if we don't do nothing about it. So that's the moment in which they decide from 2020, we need another plan. And that plan is 
unleash the biological warfare, and then later on the Third World War, and eliminate three quarters of the population of this planet, as also outlined by the Georgia Geisens. Yes, and then um, <clears throat> and then kind of the even bigger picture is what you talk about a lot in the book, and I like the way you term it uh, or coin it. The terminology is cyber Satan. Is cyber okay? Cyber Satan is very important because uh, I don't know if you ever read the, the Processor to Volume Seven, Volume Six Point Sixty Six. This is about cyber Satan. This is okay. the introduction to cyber Satan, and actually. I will suggest people who purchase volume 7 to purchase volume 6.66 because this book is in fact subside of the age of cyber satan artificial intelligence and robotics. I will I will buy and, it. I will buy well, it. I'm going to buy and, it right now. And basically what happens is that the age of change and artificial illusion and the connection that we have between the demonic and the new technology which is unfolding the connection yes absolutely it's, it's, uh, it's buying it right now and it's a book that i'm sure you're going to enjoy very much because it's the precursor to volume seven and it basically has been a best up until i published volume seven this was actually my bestseller it was the okay. book that everybody read more than any other of my books and it has the, the wonderful uh, thing about this book is very readable, but also it's, um, it's describing you the roots of this uh, escalation in which we are embracing this technology, this transhumanism that is entering our lives, but also the demonic side of it. And it talks about the very much the roots of Satanism in Europe, in Paris, in France, who celebrated the first Black Mass, and what are the, the, the links between... People don't know that Pierre Teilhard de Cardin, which I mentioned, by the way, as you know, in Volume 7 of my confession, I talk about Pierre Teilhard de Cardin. But the interesting thing is that in Volume 6.66, I not only mentioned Pierre Teilhard de Cardin, but I explain very much in detail why Peter and the is linked to two important films, The Exorcist and Space uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Because 2001 Space Odyssey, like I say, also in Volume 7, is linked to Arthur C. Clarke, who is linked to Peter and the the Omega Point. Mm-hmm. And so this goes uh, even more in depth. In fact, you have the image of Peter and the here. But also, there is an image of another interesting character. This Russian dude here. Okay. Now, this Russian dude here is called Defense Lieutenant General Reserve PhD in Academy of Natural Science, Alexei Sabin. Now, Alexei Sabin goes into the explanation then of the Anunnaki, the demonic allies of the Vatican. And in a way, I touch also very much in that, uh, in Volume 7, about, uh, you know, the artificial intelligence connection with the alien artificial intelligence, the fact that uh, we are embracing technology that is being given to us, uh, almost like uh, um, we are uh, fishes uh, in a pond that are being baited for something that then pulls us out into a, unfortunately, demonic reality, no? It's, yeah, it's... It's putting the treat out there. It's saying, join the metaverse. Do whatever you want. No work. Sex. Pleasure. 
it's putting it's the angler fish right that fish that lives at the bottom of the ocean and has the little light and it hangs out in front of it and it draws you towards the light and then the jaws come that's what it seems like it is it seems like it's laying out the treat and it's just saying come here come here and another thing that uh, i'm sure you notice in volume seven is uh, that i uh, discuss the fact that uh, literally there is uh, people that start to treat the artificial intelligence in an almost religious way yeah. starting from japan and this is only the beginning but also all the connections uh, that are this book came out at the beginning of 2019 when actually they were doing the first conference in the Vatican, artificial intelligence and robotics, and they were actually moving into that direction. In volume seven, I go even further because the topic has been even further elaborated and we have arrived to the point in which they have no, absolutely, um, they are not even like hiding it anymore. You have uh, people who work with Barack Obama and other people who are pushing literally this reality in Rome with meetings uh, uh, in and around the Vatican that took place that one, I even published the invitation, Global Elite. Do you remember this one? They don't even hide it anymore. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's like right in your face. And this was October 23, 2021. So, so I mean, and then, on top of that, the one world religion, which is coming together, and he's seeing once again the link with Austria out of all places. And I explain also that Austria was the place where a book called The Confessions of Lucifer was published by a Freemason and Illuminati called Leopold Engel, who was also working with Theodor Royce at one point, the founder, co-founder of the OTO. And um, Leopold Engel basically wrote this book, Confessions uh, of uh, Lucifer, that uh, almost to uh, rehabilitate Lucifer in the eyes of the world, mm. which is, is a very important concept for these people. And uh, from Austria, we have this other gentleman here, which is called Benninger, who used to be a diplomat and suddenly becomes a priest, a monsignor, is nominated by the, the spiritual advisor of the Golden Fleece, and he's then made, his wife dies in 2009, by 2011 he's made priest. Soon after, he announces he's already chaplain of, four, of three or four lodges in Austria, and he goes to the Vatican and becomes head of the interreligious dialogue for the Muslim side of things in the Human Fraternity Project of uh, Pope Francis. So suddenly, he's like, you know, because priests usually are not married and all that. So the wife dies in 2009, and in the matter of two years, he's made a priest and then becomes a monsignor and then ends up working in the Vatican. And then he works writing a book that he publishes, which is basically how to coincide Freemasonry with the Catholic Church. And he presents it next to this photo, next to the Grand Master of Austria, and in the public, there's also the Grand Master of uh, Germany, and I also explain uh, this other important figure, this bishop here, who after the war was the first bishop, he's called Theodor Inninzer, who uh, Austrian bishop, who uh, started to bring Freemasonry and the Vatican closer with a series of meetings and everything. He was the archbishop and cardinal of Vienna at the time, 
And after the war, when Freemasonry was coming back together, Johannite Freemasonry, that's how it's known in Austria, because uh, very much they're connected to John the Baptist. Uh, all of Freemasonry is, but they are more, the Johannite lodges are the ones that are even more connected to the John the Baptist. And uh, I explain in this book uh, this uh, incredible connection that still goes back to Austria, still goes back to Austria. So, and uh, I mentioned also, for example, Rudolf Steiner. I mm -hmm. mentioned Rudolf Steiner. I talk about Steiner, who was part of that milieu, of the group of people. But here, if you see, I also show Karl Kerner, who was uh, the uh, fun, considered the deputative father of the OTO, and uh, who was in partnership with this guy, Leopold Engel, who instead... Uh, wrote this, uh, this, uh, this, this, this is the opening page of Lucifer's, uh, The Confession of Lucifer by Leopold Denk. And the word the League of the Illuminati was shaping up at the same time as the Vatican was bringing together Freemasonry to dialogue with, uh, uh, with the Catholic Church. So, I mean, it is, of course, uh, an, an historic essay, but then you have also people from now, I mean, Barack Hussein Obama, together with a very important person, the former governor of Florida, and this lady here, who is the organizer of that event, which, you just, which I just showed you. And, and then you have this other guy who makes robots, who went to the Vatican, who is called Hiroshi Ishuguru, And, and the Vatican is actually indulging him and giving him a stage. And this guy is basically building robots that look like humans and talking about uh, transhumanism integration like a normal thing, that we need to modify ourselves. So the thing is this, that I always been saying this in the last uh, few weeks since I started promoting my new book. We have been built uh, in the perfect image of God. Mm -hmm. The moment in which we go and mess with us, uh, with our image, and with uh, we start uh, building uh, uh, elements, external elements inside our body, interactions like the computer brain interface of Elon Musk that will might become normal in the near future, we are basically going further away from that reflection of the image of God. We are becoming enslaved by the reality of cyber Satan, artificial intelligence it seems like part of the um like you said that sort of pr campaign the rehabilitation of lucifer also with the that vatican telescope right yeah then you have also the they say that lucifer uh, as a telescope uh, the name is itself uh, uh, an acronym for large binocular telescope near infrared utility with camera and integral field unity for extragalactic research great wow what an acronym yeah what, really, what the really the vatican of all places the vatican <laughs> named something Stop. lucifer i mean come come on come on <laughs> Yeah, no, but in fact, there is all these things that people need to wake up because in the end, you know, after all this big show, we will have, of course, the last part of the unfolding of this reality that will be the, 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 the Vatican announcement that we have finally in, the, in front of an alien phenomenon that uh, we all need to recognize as genuine and that we have things to learn from the aliens because actually they might uh, have their own version of things concerning Jesus and God. You know, 
I mean, we are in front of an end time deception. So, I mean, the salvation from above kind of thing is probably what they're playing. That's why in my book, I, I also un, uh, underline that part. It's, it seems to be the final card. Is it's the second I move it. have to put the air conditioning. You're fine. You're fine. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems that the final card is going to be the, the alien invasion. It's going to be a, it's going to be a global 9/11, in which they can seize all power. I, you know, I think that before we can need, uh, we can even go there. We need to talk about the reality of things that happen on this planet. Yeah. This planet interacts already with extra-dimensional entities, so then we need to focus on this dimension. And on this dimension, what is happening in the near future is already so scary and so threatening for our own existence that we need to prepare before we can even think about an alien invasion. We need to understand that we are about to face extinction here. Yeah. A level, you know, a level of threat to a human existence that might even bring the whole of the human race to extinction or at least to a change, a really big change. People like John Kerry the other day talking about disposing 100 million people uh, because of climate change is not the reality. They are saying we are disposing 100 million people. Uh, they will uh, be uh, having famine. Why? They know it will happen. But because maybe out of a radioactive fallout, out of a nuclear weapon being used possibly in the near future, Famine is already going to happen only because uh, Ukraine was the granary of Europe as well as Russia. So already now the rationing of the food in Italy or other countries soon or over the world that will see the increase in prices in things like flour, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's unheard of. That's why my book, as you know, then has a manual that is part preppers, yeah, part, part survival, group, yeah. guide. Uh, but it actually tells you the things as they are. It tells you, listen, you can continue to live in those cities, but at your own risk, because uh, once the, the, the problem really, the, the decline of this uh, society starts, uh, you are very uh, much in the hands of the enemies in the cities. And cities will be restricted only to people who follow the satanic ideology of cyber Satan, because uh, that's why smart, everything with a smart, I say, is satanic. And that's another thing I underline in my book. It does. That's what I love about it is it goes from talking about cyber Satan and the Illuminati. And then all of a sudden it's like, make sure you have rice and beans and know how to get out of your, know how to get out of your city. But yeah, no, I mean, a practical thing, you know, no, no, like, yeah, yeah, sure. it's not absurd. You, no. can be, you can be a great prepper. You can have rice and beans for a year. But the problem is if you are alone and you are not with a bunch of like-minded people, you are not going to be able to survive. No. no. So I uh, constituted this great reject idea, which already is being embraced by a lot of people that are contacting me on a daily basis, because people are already building nuclear, nuclear bunkers for years, you know, mm -hmm. or, or other people have been forming communities in Idaho, in Oregon, mm -hmm. in Montana, in other places. But the, the, the idea has always been to limit certain things only to the Christian believers. And I said in my book, if you read uh, this point, that I think it should be open to all believers of all religions. I mean, when we're talking about the, 
the survival of our species, we should always be able to embrace the differences of other people, no? Yeah. It's obvious, though, that we're facing what the Christian called the end times. It's obvious that we're facing the mark of the beast, and that is the biggest threat in the immediate future, and the rise of cyber Satan by 2030, because China wants to be the leader in, in this whole business of, of artificial intelligence. And China is the dragon of the apocalypse unfolding. So there is things that definitely, as Christians, we have an advantage. But there is also people of other culture that I openly invite to join the Great Reject, whatever their beliefs. Apart from the fact that the Muslims also believe in the end times, as well as the Jews, and they have all traditional, from all these religions, they will find themselves suddenly with, like the Catholics, a church that doesn't reflect them anymore. Because how many Catholics these days, traditional Catholics, don't recognize themselves in the teachings of a Pope who is an heretic and a false prophet, who basically talks like a globalist and a communist? A lot of people don't recognize uh, Pope Francis as their Pope these days. In, uh, the same can be said by the Jewish authorities. Some some Jewish authorities have followed this one world religion concept and they are marrying into it. And that's why they are building both in the Emirates and in Germany a temple that unifies all the Abrahamic faiths. And not only those. In South America, there is even a park in Argentina where they unify all the religions, like kind of a Disneyland of all the religions in one in one park. <laughs> it's like wow, you know. But all this because we are also heading for the other side of all this. We have been talking up until now, of course, of the substantial uh, physical, geopolitical implications. But then there is the religious unfolding of a mystery that was announced uh, a long time ago, which will bring for the Jews finally their Messiah, for the Christians the return of their Messiah, as well as for the Islam, uh, people from Islam who believe Jesus will return and not Muhammad in the end time. So this is in accordance, all three religions agree. But then you have the other faiths that also talk about the Hindu tradition, talks about the final uh, end part of the Kali Yuga mm-hmm. and problems, or you have other faiths, even the Opi Indians uh, and the shamanistic traditions that talk about uh, the unfolding of some kind of apocalypse. Uh, But also, they also talk about a figure that will emerge to counteract all this. So you have on one side uh, the rise of cyber Satan, and that's why we, we are here in the symbolism of this book, you see, you have seen that in the behind, you have the dragon, which aids and abates the rise of cyber Satan. The dragon is China. So you have it. In, you can't really see it here because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see it, yeah. It's very, it's very uh, in the back. Then you have the symbol of the lumina, a circle, but this is an eye, is the word, and the symbol, though, of the sun is in the Illuminati, but it's also the triangle, and, they are, and the triangle and the circle are used by Illuminati groups, like uh, the... Uh, order of Giuliano di Bernardo, for example, but the rise of cyber sentiment, because this represents this eye, something artificial, is not the, the God's eye, it's an artificial creation, is the uh, rise of cyber Satan, and of course, the symbol of the World Health Organization, that is part, no? the pandemic has helped 
this medical tyranny has helped the rise of cyber Satan, collecting all your data during the pandemic, like a vampire. Then you have Ariman here, the spirit of the Antichrist, mm -hmm. which should then rise aided by cyber Satan. And then you have here another image of Ariman that was put in front of the United Nations. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you talked about that. Yeah, that, that, that creepy, excuse me, that creepy fucking now, statue they put out there. This book, instead, the volume six was published in February 2019. But look behind. The symbol of the World Health Organization in February 2019. Leo Zagami calling it That's ahead it. of everybody. Uh, so so it's, it's important for the people to realize that we are uh, working uh, to stop something that is uh, both, uh, it's also a super intelligence that don't, doesn't uh, really belong to this world, and it's trying to take control of everything, aided and abated by people who are corrupt on this planet, who have, of course, given themselves to this materialistic reality, who have married this materialistic reality. So it's obvious true that Russia has some kind of difference with the West. They are capable today of saying, no, we don't need Netflix, we don't need McDonald's, we not, don't need all your rubbish, but why then we see those people uh, who in the streets are uh, uh, rebelling in parts of Russia? They are a minority. They are a minority. Those are like the advertisers, the people who work for Western companies. They are the young people. For example, if you go in Ukraine, in Ukraine, you will see that there is a gap between the old generations and even my generation who are supportive of the Russian takeover. The younger generation, 40s, 30s, and 20s, no, because they were brought up during the age of George Soros, who brainwashed them into, into embracing that kind of reality. Just like in the Baltic states, I went and conducted 12 years ago a uh, radio show on the National Estonian Radio, which basically was built on top of what it used to be a Soviet radio. So basically you, you go in and it's a big studio, Soviet style. I went in, you know, and it's then there two hours in which we talk about geopolitical matters, uh, as well as playing some of my music, electronic and stuff. Uh, they interviewed me on, because I was playing, uh, they also invited me to play some of my music. So I was very popular as a DJ in both Russia and also in Estonia. Uh, my music was always a cultural though, phenomenon. It wasn't just music, because it was a bit more than music. Uh, and they gave me the possibility of discussing the geopolitical implications of Estonia in Europe, embracing the euro. And I said, you are doing the wrong thing because you are too close to Russia. You, you are basically marrying the uh, European Union, which is controlled by the Jesuits. And uh, sooner or later, there will be a confrontation and you will find yourself in big trouble if you continue being so aggressive against Russians, even in your country. And I witnessed myself the racism against Russians in, uh, in, in the Baltic states. And I wasn't very impressed to tell you the truth. So I'm here now to say that there is no just war. 
there is two ways here of seeing it, uh, even three ways of seeing it. My way of seeing things is, first of all, there is not just war. But this war is being done at a lower level because the Orthodox Church has refused, and I discussed, as you know, even in my book, the fact the Orthodox Church will be the last missing link for the creation of the one world religion. Mm. Didn't you see that I discussed this in detail in volume seven? I actually discussed it. I actually talked about the fact that the, their dream will be to bring them to Astana, Nur Sultan, in Kazakhstan, with the Pope and Kirill, and then that's it. Lead the world with the Antichrist and the one world religion. Russia has refused that. Russia has, of course, embraced this, this new idea of a Sino-Russian-driven New World Order, which I think in the end is the dominant force because China is basically, we have created, thanks to people like Henry Kissinger, who was actually the guy who opened China to the rest of the world, that's what we have nowadays. So I think that the problem now for people is to understand that Putin is doing his thing, his part in this uh, theatrics of the New World Order. And I actually respect what he's doing more than what we are doing on this side. But uh, in the end of this whole uh, squabble, there is basically an internal fight on which model to use to drive the New World Order. It's a little bit like if me and you got in a fight and tried to see who is... uh, uh, the stronger one to drive our Ferrari, which is parked down there. And we say, listen, no, I want to drive. No, I want to drive. No, no. This Ferrari is a new world order. Okay. It's a new world order, but it's actually a new world order that will be then eventually given to cyber Satan. Artificial intelligence will be the one controlling every aspect of our life, even the political aspects in 10 years from now. So we have this Ferrari parked in, here in the, in the lot. And you say, I drive it better than you. I'm American, I drive it back. I say, I'm, I'm Russian, I drive it better. And the other guys, I'm Chinese, I drive it better than you guys. Okay, the Chinese and the Russian made a deal, they want to drive the Ferrari. The Americans seem a little bit confused because they have a system called Constitutional Republic. And the Constitutional Republic is a great thing on which we stand. But as you know, in my book, I also point out, first of all, there is an expiry date, which Uh is the the day of the return, yeah. So there is an expiry date. And that, even the... Even the constitutionalists that rather, you know, that uh, you, you can be uh, a constitutionalist, you can be an expert, but if I tell them, are you a Christian? Yes. So is this a republic on which you stand an expiry date? Yes or no? And they will say, no, but how can it expire? Well, would you put uh, Jesus uh, to run an election for you, uh, run for uh, the 2024 uh, in the White House uh, kind of uh, bid? I mean, of course, we're talking about Jesus our Lord. So the election doesn't even feature remotely. I also explain how the Illuminati preferred to destroy the, 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 the absolute monarchies, like the Tsar in Russia. And that's the point also here, that you have the, uh, the Tsar in Russia being a link with God that was severed and that in some way Putin has put back together when he has re-emerged with the Orthodox Church. He himself is a product of the Soviet Union. 
But then he embraced the, 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 the Orthodox Church because he started seeing in the 90s, when I went to Russia in the middle of the 90s, the first thing I saw were these people knocking door to door. You had put the temperature of the chicken a little bit lower, otherwise we might risk the chicken and we might get bad. You want to open and see how is, how is my chicken? Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, it's an important update. It smells smell good, right, Chrissy? How is it smelling? Mm, very good. Okay. I would suggest then to see how it is the chicken because what I do, I kind of massage it with olive oil. I put a series of things in and out. Then I put it in a silver foil. Then after two hours and a half of cooking it at a certain temperature, I the, only the uh, superior part needs to be open so that you make the crispy chicken. Because if I keep it in the silver foil for five hours or four hours, it will be still too moist because they evaporate mm-hmm. and comes back in. No. So once uh, now my wife is opening up the superior part of this uh, silver foil, how, how does it look? Yes, so then you can put in the, the potatoes and the, 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 the part with the chicken on top becomes nice and crispy in an hour. We put it back in the oven after, eh? okay. now with the potatoes, of course. I put inside the chicken uh, one, a couple of garlics. I put uh, these garlics inserted in and also inside. And lemon, spiced, spiced in the two the chicken and then uh, 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 an onion. Then the chicken itself is massaged with olive oil, Italian spices, and uh, with a touch of oyster sauce and a touch of, an, of that coconut also. This is a coconut kind of sauce used for the barbecues. You massage it. All this is part of my original recipe. So you see, I'm, I'm quite creative in the kitchen. Uh, and, and actually, this is very good and very renewed also in Russia, where I was cooking pasta back in the days. Very difficult to cook pasta when I first got to Russia because they didn't have hardly any elements uh, at that time. So going back to, to, to what we talk about in Russia, the thing is that uh, I noticed in the 1990s, when I first went there, Jehovah's Witnesses, Scientologists, Mormons, knocking at my door. I was just a guy who was renting a place in St. Petersburg, and suddenly I had these people knocking at my door. The Church of the Leaders, everybody, you know? At that point, uh, Putin uh, realized that if he didn't give back the power, full power to the Orthodox Church, his citizens will go and search it elsewhere, in churches that were, of course, driven by the American organizations and with American interests. So that's when he decided to re-empower the Orthodox Church. So it was a pretty pragmatic and he went on later to say that he was suddenly illuminated, had uh, like uh, this uh, religious uh, thing uh, that helped him in a difficult moment and all that. But in reality, he also made some calculations, no? Because uh, you have here a church which is considered one of the most old and traditional churches in the world, the Orthodox Russian Church, and you are letting uh, other churches come in. It would be like basically the Italians letting uh, Pizza Hut uh, and Deep Pan Pizza taking over the stage. It will never happen. They have already the original Italian pizza. Yeah. This uh, to make uh, 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 an example. So um, at that point, though, 
There is also the fact that in the late stages of the Soviet Union, something happened connected to the alien agenda. And I talk about it in my book, mm-hmm. Volume 7, as you know. Reagan, yeah. Reagan, Reagan Gorbachev, meeting something. At, uh, Hel- what, was, what did they, was it Helsinki? No, not Helsinki, uh, Re- Reykjavik, where they talked yeah. about SDI nice. and aliens, yeah. But there was also, I think that... Uh, this uh, this uh, this concept, uh, you know, I mean, people know, for example, uh, that you know, Reagan always talked uh, about the aliens as uh, you know, what about if yeah. we had, you know, then the world. I was- often wonder if an alien race invaded, would we band <laughs> together and temporarily set down our differences? Yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, great showman, great yeah, actor, sure. great, great Republican, great Californian. Uh, thanks God, we have people like that in California before. Nowadays, we don't have one decent guy that can run against this idiot governor. I hope to become American soon, so I can run I against him. We got to get you running because this guy is really. I mean, every time I see him, like what? Uh, in any case. Going back to the, the, the Russia, there is also some elements of that last part of the Soviet Union, that uh, connection with the Anunnaki, which I already talked about in Volume 6, Volume 66, which then reemerges in Volume 7, that really brings us to also to the fact that, like explained in Volume 7, there is, and like explained, there is a link with this uh, uh, aliens uh, and the crisis that brought to the end of the Soviet Union uh, at one point. Uh, and, and, and I found this link uh, in a documentary which was transmitted uh, in uh, Russian TV at three o'clock at night. Uh, it was really, and I got translated. Then I found the Italian uh, TV, which is the communist channel uh, of, of Rai, transmitting this documentary at the same time. Uh, and finally, I could finally understand what he was saying because it was translated you know, at that point in Italian, so I could understand. It was a very interesting documentary because it was filmed in the last days of the Soviet Union, the beginning of Yeltsin's time in office as first president of the Russian Federation. And there was uh, this documentary was like filmed like modern uh, reality show, uh, kind of like when they follow the figure everywhere and they kind of live with him and they see him. And this was the last moments of the Soviet Union. There was a coup uh, in, in Moscow. The situation was very tense, but there was something also connected with this alien agenda, which was reported in this documentary, but by nobody else. I think there is even, if you, uh, I think uh, in my volume seven, I also talk about the X Files. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I talk about an episode of the X Files in which basically they found themselves in Ukraine, in which there is uh, a alien uh, ship uh, that kind of ends up. Uh, but there's also some other things that regard, of course, uh, the, the 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 pandemic, the biological warfare, that was always one of the subjects that we found in uh, in, in 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 the X Files, very prominent uh, kind of subject. No, so uh, I I think that at this point uh, the Russians have a connection there with the uh, alien world. They have also a connection with the religious world, 
And I know that the patriarch Kirill has expressed, uh, has basically forbidden any discussions on like any uh, expose about such truths because they might be used to endanger his religious status or the religious status of, of, of Christianity. In, 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 and this is very interesting. So what is happening here? I will say this, that uh, uh, Russia is on board with China on the Sino-Russian project for a Sino-Russian New World Order, mm -hmm. but ultimately behind the scenes, there is also something else connected with the, the uh, return of Jesus, the Messiah. This is something else that will be unfolded at the appropriate time. I know this for sure because I was in Russia at the headquarters of the Orthodox Church discussing this. So this is not stuff I read in the books. And what is happening now is connected to all this because also it goes into the narrative of the Sabbatean Frankist. No? Sabbatean Frankist uh, are the ones uh, who say we should accelerate the course of evil in order to accelerate the approach of the messianic age. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. uh, Not the arrival of the Messiah, sorry, because for the Jews, Jesus has no value uh, yet, yet. Now, that is another thing also that I learned. The uh, rabbi of Moscow, very interesting figure. Uh, compared to the rabbi of Kiev that turned the other way when these Nazi groups were coming into power, demonstrating he was a Sabbatean Frankist, and very much criticized by a lot of members that I know personally from the Shabbat community, because you can't turn your you can't turn the other way when people are parading with the swastikas in the center of Kiev. Yeah. And you can't turn away when these battalions, these groups of paramilitaries get integrated as battalions in the in, in the Ukrainian army. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. You see, there is a big and important tradition, Jewish tradition in Ukraine. They have turned the other way while there was the rise of something really bad. And they shouldn't have, because now it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a very, very bad situation that is unfolding here. But in any case, I think that uh, we will see in the next 80 years, not only the suffering of millions, the pain, and also the compliance of millions of individuals that to facilitate their lives will plant themselves inside a microchip and just comply even further and make themselves the tools of this new world order. Because the moment in which you embrace that reality, like the vaccines have, have, have demonstrated, that's it. It's done. You're gone. You, you, you know, you're, you're finished, you're finito. Um, you might be able to still come out of it uh, nowadays, but uh, because you're not yet microchipped. But when you are going to be finally microchipped like a dog, and you will have an owner, and your owner is your state, part of this new world order, part of this narrative that doesn't accept any any differences, any... I mean, uh, just uh, the other day, two days ago, we saw the closure, sudden closure of YouTube, uh, RT, mm -hmm. 
uh, everything removed uh, from sorry the youtube has removed so rt and every russian um, outlet news outlet from the from from youtube i think this is this is astonishing i mean this is nazism on a real, this is real nazism it's not a joke yeah they are criticizing putin because they said that he went and threatened google head in russia because of an app that basically in some way uh, was uh, helping facilitating the opposition to him but it's also true that uh, Google is the one that censors me and you if we go on YouTube and we talk about certain subjects. What kind of freedom are we talking about here? I'm I'm permanently banned from YouTube. Yeah, so so I mean, what kind of freedom do we have here? It's not really, you know? So I hope that the people who have followed us today understand that we are in front of a very uh, different situation from before. We don't have uh, anymore just a perception of things to come. We have them unfolding in front of us. And that's why my book has been about explaining in the most simple way possible how this Great Reset comes, to get, comes together. Also from the name, Great Reset. Yeah, King Great Reset. It's like... They are almost announcing themselves. We are arriving. Great King Satan is here. Pa, 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 pa. I mean, it's like, you know, they will, they're going to roll out the red carpet. At the, Throw at the, the confetti, horn. the horns. Pa, 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 pa. The Antichrist is here. Bow down and just uh, worship the, the this new reality. And if you even uh, say anything against it, oh, well, then you are a Christian fundamentalist, an evangelist. I saw a whole episode uh, this morning on Deutsche Welle. I don't know if you know Deutsche Welle is the public uh, TV station for Germany. And so I was watching Deutsche Welle uh, because, uh, of course, I told you there is a lot of interest between Germany and Ukraine. So I like to watch Deutsche Welle because they have reporters on the ground. They also like to see what kind of narrative they give. Well, this morning, their narrative was all about basically, oh, this conspiracy theorist. Uh, that don't want to take the vaccine. Um, they, they, they are afraid uh, of what uh, is coming. They consider, they, 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 they consider this wrong. Uh, we have to resist and we have to tell them that they are in the wrong. We have to f- not force them to take the vaccine, but almost. No, these people are, you know, so, so they are kind of brainwashing people, left, right, and center. And, of course, they are the ones who also say, oh, no, there is no Nazis in Ukraine. What do you mean there is no Nazis in Ukraine? You're German. You know what Nazis is. If you see a swastika and people parading all, you know, with that, you, you know, that if you see the runes that are used yeah. in, uh, as a battalion you know, or all these Nazi groups in Ukraine, you know that that is Nazis. You can't just say, no, it's not true. Yeah, they're literally doing like the Albert Speer nighttime events with the lights and the fires and the flags and the actual. But for, but for Deutsche Welle, no. For Deutsche Welle, no. These are the good people. These oh. are the good people, uh, you know. And this is the state broadcast institution of Germany, out of all places. That Jesus. should know better. And and that's why this book, as you know, is dedicated to free people. And I would like to mention that before we finish our show today. One is Hans Garde, 
was this uh, uh, I talk about him in volume uh, one and two of my confessions because he also participated the, with a couple of articles. He was a journalist who witnessed what happened to me in Norway. He was actually a witness to when they arrested me for accusing me of espionage. He was dead. And he died in mysterious circumstances last year. Very mysterious circumstances. He was outspoken against the New World Order, against the Jesuits, against what they were doing uh, with the pandemic, pandemic in, their country, in his country of Norway. And he died last Easter. Then I put Dr. Andreas Noack, mm-hmm. who is the guy who was uh, suddenly seen uh, around the web uh, when uh, the police, the German police broke into like Nazis, then they yeah. justified saying, oh, we actually got the truck, we want to go to the next door neighbor. Yeah, sure. But in reality, he had to flee Germany, but instead of going, I don't know, to Mexico or somewhere else, he went to Austria, out of all places, and that's where he died one year later, under very suspicious circumstances, with the wife himself yeah, denouncing the, the whole thing. was attacked, and then the next day saying it was a heart attack. I mean, that's why I dedicated my book also to him. I didn't know him personally, I knew Hans, but I didn't know him. And there's this other Italian guy, who also Domenico Biscardi. Domenico Biscardi, who died at the beginning of 2022, he was a guy who wanted to, he had enough documentation on certain negative effects of the vaccine, and he was putting it together to actually forward an official uh, suit uh, in uh, the European uh, Parliament. And suddenly, he died. After talking about the graphene, both uh, this guy and this other guy talk about graphene in the vaccine, by the way. So, that's why I dedicate my books to these free, courageous people who were actually denouncing the, this, this whole thing. And that unfortunately, I mean, I would have never went and lived in Austria, the birthplace of Adolf Hitler, because that doctor from Germany, he said something that in Germany is not really tolerated. I mean, Andreas Noack went on one of his last broadcasts and he said that basically the Germans shouldn't follow Austria, which was implementing the, the, the obligatory vaccine, because the last time we followed somebody, Austria, some bad things happened. Now, when you say that, you're kind of like digging your own grave. Yeah. I find it very interesting that now Austria apparently suddenly is taking out now maybe the, 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 the obligation, the mandatory vaccination. Uh, there might be some, uh, some uh, like, uh, now that they are too close to the war, they kind of make some calculations here. Because yeah. they're a small country. They need to have people in health if they need to go and fight the war. <laughs> because they're bordering almost with Ukraine. So, I mean, it's like, do you want to kill your own population or make them? Because this vaccine is hijacking our own immune system. And, uh, and, and the moment we hijack it, we completely depend on the big pharma from that point onwards in our life. So it's like, uh, that is interesting. But Austria is also a country that has uh, offered, for example, a prostitute if you went yeah. and get a vaccine, which is unheard of. But then I explain in my book why they did that, because it's from Austria that the, sexual, the sexual magic and the Illuminati, the OTO was 
actually born out uh, of an Austrian car in, in, in the Austrian milieu there. I describe everything in my book, so I think that is important. As well as in my book, I talk about Archbishop Carlo Maria Bigano, that you, of course, heard about. Carlo Maria Viganò is probably the once powerful Vatican Apostolic Nuncio to the United States until 2016 that has made really a big effort in denouncing the New World Order in recent years. And a lot of Catholics really um, respect him very much, this figure, Viganò. Uh, but they don't know that actually this Orthodox Church in Ukraine had nominated him in... Uh, a couple of years ago, Pope, which is kind of unusual, also because you don't really have the recognition of a Pope by an Orthodox Church. But this Orthodox Church was one of the reasons why they started to, to have problems in Russia. Because you have to understand that this was a religious confrontation before it became a political confrontation. In 2016, there was the last chance for Russia and the Western-backed uh, Orthodox Church, meaning the Constantinople, the Patriarch Bartolomeo, the Patriarch uh, of uh, Romania, who are backed by the West, to kind of bring together Orthodoxy. That didn't happen. They moved away because Ukraine wanted to uh, declare itself independent from the Patriarchate of Moscow. Because the Orthodox Church in Ukraine was dependent from the one in Moscow. And they still have political problems because after 2014, there was an ongoing occupation in Donbass, uh, wars, uh, this and that. And the Ukrainians suddenly politicized the whole thing. And so in 2019, they eventually broke from the um, from the church in Moscow. And at the same time, this other church that had already broke with the Ukrainian church 10 years earlier, decided to nominate instead Bigano because they saw him as a figure, a religious figure that they could recognize as having, you know, the right statue. So there is also a religious confrontation. The Orthodox Patriarch last week talked, uh, reminding the fact that Ukraine is under his own con religious control. And uh, he said that uh, basically what uh, there are, Putin is doing is right, because Donbass for uh, many years was, they were killing Russians. What happened in Ukraine was basically they went after Russian culture and they tried to undermine it in every way possible because it was linked to something that they couldn't control. So they went after the Russian culture in such an aggressive way, all these Nazis parading with the swastika and stuff, they went after the Russian-speaking population. This was tolerable after... Uh, up to a certain extent, because when you start killing people, and many thousands of people were killed, then at that point, uh, Russia, uh, under the, it was actually the patriarch of Russia who encouraged Vladimir Putin to invade. So 
people don't really know how Russia works. That's why the big problem here. And I'm not saying that anybody's right, because in the end, they all bow down to the New World Order and they all want to transform this planet. But Russia maybe has left a back door by not accepting the digitalization uh, of our lives. The Orthodox Church, like I also explain here, and I explain also in my latest edition of Conferencia Las Pop uh, that was published in Italy, has refused over and over again the digital ID. And when the vaccine passports came around, they were outspoken about the connection with the mark of the beast and the dangers of it. This, of course, makes it obvious here where we are heading. There is part of humanity that is bowing down to a system that wants us to just comply and become part of the of, of the legion of Satan controlled army. Mm. Other part of humanity is, is leaving a backdoor. By the Orthodox Church, basically, went over and over again in the last few years. And I explained this already from uh, Pope Francis' last Pope question mark, one of my, my first book in English language, which came out in 2014-15. You remember, Pope Francis and Alex Jones made a documentary, and then you, you, you just spoke with Rob, so I know that uh, you, you, you know yeah. about it. Yeah. But that documentary that we filmed with Rob Dew was based on this book. And in that book, I talked about the differences and about the fact that the Orthodox Church was becoming increasingly worried about the mark of the beast problem. And so they made the religious groups that prayed in the open, and they asked Putin to not adopt this digital ID or anything that will mean a digital control. The same was also said, and you can read it in my book, by that Serbian patriarch connected to the Djokovic, to the tennis player. I also mentioned him. Yeah. We're going to end up you know, in, in a digital gulag here. So uh, I, I explain how these positions in the Orthodox Church are very clear about the threat of the mark of the beast, while instead the Catholic Church and the Pope is embracing it. So this should tell us who is really behind the Pope and how the Catholic Church has become the seat of, the, of Satan on earth. So I have uh, really in this book tried to outline how uh, the, the, the digitalization was rejected. And I think that personally Russia has done that because, yes, they are embracing, of course, the Sino-Russian you were daughter. If you go in China, it's all controlled. Yeah. It's credit score system. It's the mark of the beast already unfolding on the whole population. And they will all just comply and be silent because they don't have a religion. They're communists. But there is a difference with, uh, with Putin because he has left a back door in case, in case Jesus come back. He has left the back door to say, oh, no, well, we didn't take the mark of the beast. We are orthodox. We, we bow down to Jesus. Boom, that's it. And that is something that we should think about because it's like almost like he is knowledgeable of certain things. And those things are regarded as just maybe superficial for us in, in the West. But for him, they're very important. Maintaining the tradition Christian view that a man is a man, a woman is a woman, and that basically our society has some traditional values, 
it's, it's, it's also becoming inspirational for a lot of the people here in the alt-right. Of course, that see Putin as, you know, a figure that rises on the world stage defending his values. But remember, for all those people who are following me, he's doing it conscious of the fact he's doing it for his own people and for his own uh, interest, not for the interest of America. Mm. America instead is corrupt from within and the system, unfortunately, like I explained here, does the Republic have the DNA to react to the communist infiltration? No. While the Russians have already lived the communism and know already the pro and the cons of it, and they're taking only elements of the communists, and that is outlined by the fact that they founded the People's Republic of Duansk and Luansk. The People's Republic is a Marxist-Leninist term, so it's very clear where they're heading. Yes, but the, the new approach of communism in Russia is religion is un- left untouched. During the communist times, we did a mistake. We persecuted our religious leaders. We persecuted the people that were going to church. In this new Russia, we will follow the dictate of communism, but we will still leave the church untouched because that is a link with God that we can't take out of our society. I don't know for how long it will stay like that, in China, instead, the church has become a tool of power, and that's why the Vatican assigned a deal in secret uh, in 2018. And that deal basically is a, a means that the, the Catholic Church is now a, a state church. They took away all the crosses from the churches. Some churches, they even replaced the images of the saints with Mao Zedong. Jesus. And, and it's like you bow down and you sign and you, you, you don't say anything because otherwise you will be persecuted. So Christians are really being persecuted a lot more now after the deal made with the Vatican than any time of history. In, 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 and the old underground Catholic Church had to give up, and a lot of the bishops are actually in prison. And even the, pre, and even the ones that, 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 were, that initially embraced the, the deal. They started having problems, and some of them ended up in prison, priests and even a bishop. So there is a persecution of Christianity by the dragon, but we are talking about an emanation of, and you have seen in this book, you know, I put together Adam Besha, Philip Buonarroti, The League of the Just, uh, Karl Marx, uh, all the way to Mao Zedong and to where we are now. What I did want to ask you is... um. And it's an idea you bring up several times. Is oh. hold on. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, I think it cut out for a second. Um, what I did want to ask you uh, was, at what point is the chicken Christine? <laughs> yeah, chicken is done. So another question, and I'm gone here. Oh. I have to go back to my chicken. Now. Fair enough. I was gonna say, yeah. Okay, we'll wrap it up then. I was gonna say, yeah. Maybe we'll start the next podcast with this. Is was Donald Trump actually fighting for America, or was he just a pawn of the World Economic Forum the whole time? Listen, when I was given the possibility of uh, uh, working to promote Donald J. Trump in 2015 and found 
founded the first organization outside of the United States to support his bid to become president, which was Italians for Trump, which became very popular. We even had the, the press talking about it because we became involved very much active with the Italian-American community and everything else. And I said this to Alex Jones when he came to Rome and did that and said, what do you think of supporting? I said, Alex, I think it's a great idea because the guy has enough money to not be corrupted. So he will be a maverick in this situation. It's not somebody you can offer a 70 million book deal and he will uh, just uh, uh, then uh, go on being your slave like Obama for the rest of his life. No, it's not that kind of uh, person. He's a maverick. He's a, he's a genius in his own right uh, for how he has always sold himself to the outside world. Um, and definitely is, is, is somebody who humanly will be able to definitely avoid a war like the one we have today because he will directly talk with Putin, directly talk with Kim Jong-un, directly talk with Xi Jinping, and actually treat them like, with the, not only with respect, but even at time ending the fact that these people have made their own thing, I mean, in their own country. The system might be different, but they don't know. When it comes, though, to the question you made, you know that in this book I have said certain things regarding Trump. I've not been overwhelmingly supportive of him, especially after he has Vaccine. demonstrated his support towards the vaccine, which has been a disappointment for a lot of people, I think, no? And, and why? I explain in this book that a lot of Republicans also have in recent years received money from the big pharma, including Trump. There is a lot of interest. A lot of people arrive to Washington, and after two years in Washington, that's it. They're gone. They're part of the swamp. He didn't manage to drain the swamp. Uh, and uh, the problem with, um, with him is that basically his own ego might be the biggest enemy here. Yeah. And, and at the same time, though, I see him like some of the things he did, he did uh, in a good way to help America and... Uh, he is acting for God. God acts in mysterious ways. And so Trump was a figure that for some was divisive, for others actually has meant the survival of the American way of everything that is considered American. So I said in this book, I might not agree with certain things about Trump, but in the end, of course, I will always end up voting if I have to, no, I have to vote for, for, for another president here in the United States because I will become American probably next year. So it will be possible for me to vote for the first time because I wasn't American the last time. Only my wife could vote for him. I will vote for him. Uh, the America of Trump is an America which puts America first and his values are a lot of the values that we all share. He also, as I uh, described in this book, went to the World Economic Forum, and he wasn't really talking in favor of all the socialist values that are usually consecrated and paraded as being untouchable there at the World Economic Forum. He was very critical about... Uh, so he was almost mocked 
So I don't see him as uh, somebody who was necessarily a tool of the World Economic Forum when you actually dare and talk against uh, socialism, which is for the World Economic Forum. But I also explained that uh, in January 2020, Trump probably acted also as a chaos magician. Mm. And I talk a lot about this link with Trump and, uh, and chaos magic. A link which I discovered in a book, which I can show you, which I read, which I find very interesting. Of course, it's not a book written by a guy that is pro-Trump, but it has some elements interest, which is the uh, Gary Lunchman. And I cite him in my book. Um, and, and, and the fact, the chaos magic concept, uh, I think is very interesting. But what he said, it was like, he was rejecting everything that the World Economic Forum was embracing from the start. He actually said they predicted an overpopulation crisis in the 60s, masturbation in the 70s, and end of oil in the 1990s. These alarmists always demand the same thing, absolute power to dominate. So he said the right things. He said the right things. He, he, he actually uh, said something that was inevitably rejected by the increasingly socialist-minded elite in Switzerland, as I outlined in my book. But once again, one is left wondering if Trump does this simply to generate chaos and confusion, or if he is genuine at times in his opposition towards the New World Order. This is the thing, because, uh, uh, like, uh, like I said, the moment in which he promotes the vaccine, then I was a little bit... But then there is another thing that people don't realize. But Trump, in his time in his office, has managed to know the truth about the alien agenda. And he has maybe changed from the Trump we used to know because of the things he learned while he was in office. And, and, and that is also, I speak, if you, if you uh, in the book, I also talk about... Uh, the, the magic uh, resistance movement that was made against him, the curses yeah, that were made against like that, binding yeah. Trump in one way or another. Yeah. So I was the one who first said in November 2020, when I actually was with my friend Alex, I think even in the middle of October on Infowars, I said, we should be thinking already about 2024. 2024 is basically the, uh, the time and the place in which we can put back Trump if this election is rigged and if Biden wins. Instead, everybody focused, on, even him, Trump himself, start to focus over and over again on the loss and on the fact that the election was stolen from him. I will not have done that. I will have literally, you know, when you are a book, you change page. I will have simply gone to the next page and say, okay, let's start again. Yeah, how do 2024. We yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the future. I will have done, if I was Trump, I would have simply said, in the next few months, you will see the defeat of everything we stand for. You will see how America will be ruined by the hideous policies of this guy who cancels immediately the pipeline, who does all these kind of things. Trump really 
didn't need to do anything at that point. He only needed to make Joe Biden open his mouth and sign all those executive orders that canceled the pipeline and everything else and made us not any longer energy sufficient. And then he could come out after he and said, I told you so. That's it. He, he shouldn't have even opened his mouth. Instead, he went on and on and on and on and on and on. And I think that there was uh, something that, uh, that I hope that in the future, uh, if he eventually goes back in the White House, he can become somebody that can oppose the Davos agenda and everything that stands uh, with the Davos agenda. But the problem is, once you go against those people, they will destroy you. And he knows that. That will mean the loss of all his finances for him and his whole family. People like Silvio Berlusconi, who was best friends with Putin, had to make a choice 10 years ago. In Italy, he had to give up on his power. Because the, 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 the New World Order didn't want to have him anymore there. And they gave him an opportunity. They said, you can pay 500 million. He had to pay, he was meant to pay 500 million for a lawsuit by Carlo Di Benedetti, who is a tool of the Rothschild. And, or this judiciary thing can go, you know, can be worked around. You will not pay anything. Your companies will be fine. You will be left alone. You can carry on with your family owning your TVs and all your businesses, but you will not any longer be involved in the in, in controlling the country. And in the end, he bowed down to that. And he never, from that point onwards, mentioned the word communist anymore in his speeches, yeah. ever again. Yeah. So it depends. Will Trump uh, be the person that comes back and be Trump for a second term, or will be Trump come back and be a Trump that is compromised? This we will see immediately, because uh, in a situation, present scenario, which is unfolding, which we might not even arrive to. The, The problem here is that the Democrats are doing everything and anything to destroy this country, knowing that they, nobody will elect them in the midterm elections, knowing that they will lose in 2024, they are willing to send this whole world to hell and to basically create this war with uh, Russia, only because that will, of course, uh, unify the country behind the, the, the demented the president, president who doesn't even know how to wipe his ass. This is really the... the, 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 the and it's very sad. Yeah that in the White House we have incompetent people. It's very sad. It's unprecedented, but it's true. We have incompetent people who don't know how to do their job. We have a great reset which is unfolding. But how many people will be able to stop this great reset when the Republican Party itself is getting bought even by George Soros while we are talking here? Because this guy goes around and says, how much you want? How much, what is your price? And he's not only buying district attorneys. He's buying one politician after the other that goes to Washington, even from the Republican Party. In some states, they were supposed to vote certain laws lately, and suddenly, boom, the Republicans who were supposed to vote them changed their mind. 
and, and I'm not talking here about Mitt Romney or uh, Cheney, which are basically typical rhinos. I'm talking about people who are still good-standing Republicans. But, uh, you know, when you see Lindsey Graham being a warmonger, or you see Mitt Romney being a warmonger, do these people realize that uh, there will be no future for the human race once the Fed World War takes off in a thermonuclear... Uh, there's no future. There's, it's the end of the world. No, there's no winning. There's no winning. So it's, it, that is really the, the, the problem. But uh, thank you very much for having me today. I hope uh, that people in the end, uh, when they read uh, this book, uh, realize uh, that uh, we have a possibility, and the great reject is listed here, my email uh, under this uh, pick that is at page 425 of the book, if they want to contact me. But the idea is not to join something here. Because people, you know, write me, say, can I join the great reject? There is no great reject you can do. You have to enact the yeah. great reject. That's the difference. You have to put it together, you and like-minded people, and try to save your way of life before this way of life is threatened and you will not be able to do what you want anymore. So do it uh, sooner rather than later. Find the friends that are like-minded and join them in constructing an alternative uh, community outside of the cities, which are meant to, unfortunately, probably they're all going to be doomed and going to hell. So there is no way of saving the cities when the majority of cities are always voting Democrat. Even the ones that are not voting Democrat, they're all shit. They're all leaning towards uh, embracing modern technology as the ultimate solution. So in the end, all these people, all this theater here of politics, the swamp and everything, the swamp might be drained, but in the end, uh, you will be left with Ariman, with the artificial intelligence control of everything, with the cyber Satan. So we, we really have to see if Trump, when the problems are going to get really, the situation is get more problematic, will make the right decisions. I hope so for the survival of the United States. And because I think that Trump is ultimately a good-hearted man, he has, he has traditional values somewhere, and he likes to, to enjoy not the company of Luciferians or of corrupt individuals, but the company of Christians. And his ties with Russia that didn't exist have been also a big problem. But he's a business guy. He has ties with Russia. He has ties with everywhere in the world. He's a businessman, so he's normal. But we can say for sure that in 2024, we are lucky if there is a presidential, if, if we actually are made to have a presidential election and place a new president. Because uh, how things are uh, turning around now, these people might uh, act with some uh, emergency act, yeah. stop all the elections and just go on forever with their socialist uh, dictatorship. And forget the Soviet Union, we will become the ultimate Soviet Union. Yeah. 
you have to understand that in the end, uh, all the factions in this worldwide game, in this new world order, want the same thing. Reducing the population because they have robotics that can substitute mankind. And so they will do it. No matter what ideology, they will all convene and participate in this, uh, in this uh, really elimination of the quarters of humanity. Thank you very much, and God bless America, and God bless the whole world. on. Thank you, Mr. Leo Zagami. I will put the book in the description. I'll put your email in the description, and I will send you the episode when it's up. And I would love yeah. to have you on again to talk about Cyber Satan. Absolutely. We have many other things that we can talk about. I would, uh, I would, love, to, I would love to do an episode for each of your books. I'd love to go through them all. You're a fascinating Thank you. guy. Thank you, Mr. Thank Zagami. You. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you so much for your appreciation. And, and let's not forget that America is built for a purpose. And that purpose will be shown in the end times. So I believe that our father founders were no Satanists. They might have been Freemasons, but ultimately Freemasonry at that time was a Christian fraternity. And their beliefs were really the beliefs that we all share in a society that is based on godly values, not satanic values. So I think that we have, maybe we have to recover the, that the DNA and we have to resist to the takeover of the communists. And that is the only way we can save America. So thank you so much for having me on and speak to you soon. Thank you so much, sir. God bless. God bless America. Take care, everybody. Peace.